When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. Just a reminder that Diet Starts Tomorrow is a podcast for entertainment purposes only. It is not a medical podcast and does not constitute medical advice. Always seek the advice of a physician or a health professional. Betches Media presents Diet Starts Tomorrow. I stand behind my decision to avoid salad and other disgusting things. With hosts Remy Casimir. I'll have what she's having. And Emily Lubin. Remember, shoot like you have a secret. We're here to amuse your boosh. Hello and welcome to Diet Starts Tomorrow. I'm Emily. And I'm Remy. And today we're so excited. We have another stand-up comedian. This one, she is a brilliant stand-up comedian, actor, writer, singer, and podcaster. Welcome, Gina Brion. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Multi-multi-hyphenate. <laughs> yeah. Multi-multi-excited. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. We were introduced to you by our lovely content manager, Lauren. Yep. She's amazing. Love her. You are so, so funny. And um, I've Thank just, you. we've been watching your clips and I, we just can't get enough. You've been doing stand up since the 90s. I know. What was that like? <laughs> Tell us Why about did the you 90s. Have to say it like that? <laughs> I'm so since sorry. The 90s. <laughs> well, the 1900s. Like the 1900s. <laughs> what was it like? Back then, the dark ages after the years of shoulder pads. Mm-hmm. <laughs> became, yes. How was comedy in the 90s for you? Um, just as sexist as it is today. Oh, it's not. You know what's funny? It's, um, I mean, I think people will probably stop doing a lot of stuff. And I think some things have slowed down, like the obvious misogyny, because you can't just do it anymore. Yeah. So yeah. now it's much more covert. Now it's misogyny like little, light. Yeah. Misogyny light. Yeah. And they're like, I just have a like I'm one eighth toxic. <laughs> and that's it. Um, the people that you deal with just like they won't do the obvious things, but they'll still do these really covert misogynistic and just and even border like unethical mm-hmm. things in this industry. So is it as bad when I first started? Um, probably it's just probably more hidden, to be honest with you. I think people yeah. are just not out in the open with it anymore because nobody wants to get, you know, canceled. Yeah. Even though I don't. For well, sure. They don't. You became the first and only Latina winner of NBC Stand Up for Diversity Showcase. And in your comedy... You mentioned Latina confidence. Can you explain what that is and how do you get it if you're not born with it? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because I want some Latina confidence. Um, A lot of it. Well, a lot of it comes from being around really strong women, too. Like growing up, like I, you know, I've had this conversation before where it's always shocking to people that I'm not I don't back down 
mm. when it comes to any confrontation with a man. Like, I don't back down. And it's because I came from, you know, women who didn't back down. Like, they didn't stop. They didn't want to stop. They were like, no, I, I have something to say or I don't like what you did, so I'm going to say it. And that battled with the societal pressure to be to behave, Mm. which was the societal pressure that I had. So my cultural pressure was speak up. My societal pressure was behave. Mm -hmm. So it's a battle to to maintain that kind of confidence and maintain that kind of self-confidence. I think people think confidence just in the way we look. You know what I mean? Yeah, because I think confidence. you brought it up in terms of how you look, yeah. that it was like, I always think I look great. That's, for better or yeah. for worse, if I lose too much weight, if I gain too much weight, or all of these are too much you in quotes. You know what but changed the game for me, honestly? Everybody needs to watch Real Women Have Curves Ooh. and understand why a lot of women that grew up in Latino households, because we were relentlessly teased mm. growing up, you either fall on, I, the pendulum swings either way. Either you become this person with the worst like body dysmorphia and uncomfortableness and uncomfortable feeling in your body, or you accept and love your body. And both are, no, nobody's at fault for falling either way. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But you just have to make the choice at some point. And I think as I got older, I made the choice to fall in love with my body, fall in love with my body the way it was, the way it naturally is. Mm-hmm. That's lovely. Well, am I correct that in Spanish, calling somebody fat, like it's almost like an endearing thing? Like um, sometimes, you, but the thing is, I have a bit about how <laughs> they'll take your worst insecurity and make it your nickname. Mm. <laughs> so if you are chubby, they'll call you gordo or gorda. I was gonna say gordita, and it becomes your thing. Then you just get used to people calling you gordo or gorda. Uh-huh. It doesn't matter how you felt when they first said it. It's just like now it's the thing. Or if you're too skinny, flaco, flaca, like they they'll call you out for whatever. Nobody's ever just the perfect weight. I never but, knew what flaca was. Flaca skinny, very it's skinny. That girl on Orange Is the New Black. I thought that flaca. was just her name. Oh. Nope. Okay, that's a, that's a beautiful nickname. All right. Flaca. That that puts it into context a little bit. Does it change though? Like, would you show up to one Thanksgiving and it would be Gordo, and then you show up to the next Thanksgiving and you're Flaca? Well, I mean, sometimes it does change. Like, some people will change the nickname if you become, you know, all of a sudden. But sometimes they won't. Sometimes they'll just constantly remind you I that you like don't forget. I feel like in gangster movies, you there's Gorda. always like some big guy named Slim. Yeah, 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 or Fat Tony, but he's super skinny. Yeah. It's like the opposite of what you are type and of that, thing. Exactly. Fat Tony. Yeah. He's skinny now, but he used to be fat. Right. Like, he was 300 <laughs> pounds before, but now he's a svelte 190. <laughs> so would your family nickname you Gordo uh, or my, Gordita? <laughs> Gordo. <laughs> Gordo. my family like the kid on Lizzie McGuire. My Gordo, friends did. Gordo. My friends did. They would call me Chuleta. And what, what does that mean? Chuleta means pork chop. Oh, my God. So that's what they used to call me. They used to call me Chuleta. And I was like, that sounds delicious. I wasn't even mad. I was like, that sounds, that's a delicious nickname. I mean, that is pretty cute. (laughs) Pork chop. Were you chubby when you were younger? I was definitely chubby when I was younger. Okay. People would argue that I'm chubby now, but (laughs) (laughs) depending on who you ask. But It depends on your definition, I suppose. Yeah, right? I was definitely chubby as a kid, though. Like, everybody let me know, for sure. Yeah. (laughs) I was chubby. Um. But that just became a thing that I was just like, oh, I guess I'm just chubby. Like I didn't. Mm-hmm. Nobody was like, hey, you can change that until like later on. They were just like, no, you're just chubby. I think you should. But just was accept it said it. with a negative connotation too, or um, it was just like cutie? Well, I mean, either way, either way, if it's said, it's you know that's where you have it's intent a, versus impact. It's like right. Either way, yeah, even yeah, if you're yeah. calling me, you know, pork chop in a loving way, it's like later on I'm gonna hate that nickname regardless. Uh huh. 
because it's I know what you're making fun of. Mm -hmm. It's never meant, I think, f fully maliciously. Right. What has your body journey been like? Have you dieted in the past? Have oh, you fluctuated? Child. So uh, in college, I was the smallest I'd ever been. Um, I had an addiction to diet pills. So uh, we heard I, about that. My weight yeah. was like up and down my whole life. Mm -hmm. And then when I got to college, I really felt the pressure because I had lost some weight on my own. Mm -hmm. But it was, the, you know, the typical story of like, no matter how much weight I was going to lose, I was always, you know, thick. I was always curvy. Yeah. And I had a stigma about like there was a stigma about at that time being curvy. There was no body positivity movement when I was growing up. There was no nothing. It was because this was the 1980s. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was the 50s. This was the ancient yeah. times. So after we were using the outhouse, we would <laughs> come inside and light some candles. You'd put like, on your girdle. Yeah. You'd just try to make it through the day. What about the people that you were hanging out with? Like, were you hanging out with people who were more full figured or did most of your friends oh, have no, like not at that time. skinny bodies? Not at that time. I mean, everybody I went to college with was like super either in shape or just seemed like they had the perfect body. Bunch right. of flaccas. <laughs> flock of flaccas. Bunch of flaccas. <laughs> just a flock of flaccas. Listening exactly. to flock of seagulls, but hanging with a flock of flaccas. <laughs> so then how did the diet pills come into play? Um, you know, somebody, you know, it's always a person that mentions like, hey, if you're trying to like lose weight, like, have you ever tried a fat burner? And that's where it started mm. with a fat burner. And like I went to GNC and I think I bought Stacker, which was like the first like fat burner that I bought. And then I just would use Stacker. And then when Stacker stopped making my heart want to explode, mm -hmm. I started using Xenadrin. And then when Xenadrin was in the I mean, I used Xenadrin for a long time as an appetite suppressant. Mm -hmm. Um and I stopped using Xenadrin and everything when I had a panic attack in the middle of one of my college classes. And I legitimately thought I was going to die. Oh yeah. God. I thought I was going to die. I literally, my heart was pounding. I couldn't breathe. And I, all I had been doing is sitting in the class. Yeah. And I, that just did it for me. I was like, okay, I don't want to die. Yeah. Did this. you tell anybody that you were taking them? No. No. I That's remember the thing these with things. those. I used to take them secretly as well. Yeah. Oh, did you? Oh, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. See, I don't know those particular brands, but I remember um, a full aisle in CVS was dedicated to these diet pills, and they would always. They're basically amphetamines, I mm -hmm. think, yeah. but they would portray themselves as healthy. Like they'd have like a green tea leaf on the cover and be like, it's green tea. It burns oh, yeah. all your fat or whatever. So people would think. But people also knew that they were bad for you, which mm. is why nobody told people. Like I didn't tell anybody about it. And I remember my mom finding them one day and got so mad. Like it was so shameful. Yeah. There were people that eventually found out. And there's people in my life that know now mm -hmm. that don't even let me go near that aisle. Yeah. They don't mm -hmm. even, they won't even let me consider it. Like, not even, not even something organic. They won't let me do it. Did you consider that disordered eating at the time? Or were you just like, this is giving me an edge to lose weight? I think at the time, I thought it was my only option. Okay. And was I it, really is, thought, was it quote unquote working? I mean, I was the smallest I'd ever been. I was okay. running every morning because I couldn't get my heart to fucking stop. Uh-huh. Um, so it, it, did it work? Yeah. But did it almost kill me? Probably. Yeah. You know, I took Xenadrin long after there were reports that it was making people's liver fail, I think. Oh my gosh. And I just, I was still taking it until that moment where I was like, there's no, this could legitimately kill me. And that was the thing that made you just yeah. stop, was like, throw them out, flushing it. down the toilet or. Yeah. Okay. I just stopped. I just stopped. And every time I thought about 
buying them after that it was like my heart would start pounding it was almost like my body kept that trauma mm-hmm. and it was like your my body was like please for the love of god don't don't do this to us i can't do this again yeah so that's what's also kept me away from them for years is st- still physically remembering how it felt mm-hmm. to be that wired all the time and then how did you get from that to where you are now and just so confident and wearing hats that say goat (laughs) oh that's so funny i love wearing the goat hat because (laughs) it um i've noticed i've said this to people before i have this hat that says goat and i literally bought it because it's the cutest hat i've ever seen in my life it's Mm -hmm. like army cuts got the army colors and like it says goat and i saw it and i remember picking it up and going this is probably gonna piss some people off (laughs) and then i just wore it because i love the hat and i noticed and i love pissing people off I do. The only <laughs> people that got mad were, and I, I swear to God, I've done the market research on this, white, insecure male comics. Interesting. It was never anybody of color, uh. never a woman. White, insecure male comics would go, You think oh, you're better than me? Goat. And I realized, here's why I have empathy, because you lucky I'm healed. Yeah. <laughs> Bruh, let me tell you how many people are lucky I'm healed. Duh. <laughs> Because uh, some of y'all is about to get smacked up. I realized because the only power that that specific group feels they have at times is having the power to deem who is great and who is not. Mm -hmm. And I took that away from them in that moment Mm -hmm. because I didn't say you were great. So what right do you have to think you are the greatest of all times? You have no idea what that hat means to me. You're assuming that I mean I'm the greatest comic of all time. Mm -hmm. I can think I'm the greatest mom of all time. Mm -hmm. I can think I'm the greatest friend of all time. You have no idea, but your insecurities. You've got so many other hyphenates. Yeah. They're not singers. They're not writers. (laughs) Right. Or, Or maybe you picked it up from a goat farm. you never know who knows you don't know the story behind this but it's so funny the way i got from where i was back then to where i was now is literally lessons Mm -hmm. i took the lessons my best friend has this thing that he says and he recently told it to me and i was like oh my god i'm gonna adopt this into my life because i think it's so good he tells this to his kids we either win or we learn we never lose you win or you learn i love that and i think that's how i got from a to b I chose to learn in a lot of these instances as opposed to just taking the L and just being like, you know, I, I lost out on this and, mm-hmm. re- and being filled with regret. No, you just kind of go, oh, I don't ever want to feel that way again. So what has to change within me so that I'm never in that situation again, talking to that person again or feeling that way again? <laughs> like that's really it's like what has to change? Do I have to cut somebody off? Fine. Mm-hmm. OK, then I can't be around you. And that that's OK. You know, it might not feel okay to the other person, but they have the right to make that decision for themselves too when mm-hmm. they get to that point. So it just, it's its the journey. Right, and taking they can a learn from treating somebody else that way exactly. and not see that that situation's like, yeah, you were a dick, but it doesn't have to be a total loss. You can learn from it and then not get cut off by exactly. the rest of your friends in the future. You could take a pause and go, what part of this was my fault? Which I've done mm-hmm. in in situations with people, especially people who have cut me off. I've been a victim of it too, where I've been cut off by people and I've gone, well, what did I do? What what was my part in this? Was I neglectful as a friend? Was I too honest and I forgot to be caring? 
Did I forget to have empathy in a moment where somebody was coming to me? Mm -hmm. And so I, you know. Did I give them a nickname they didn't want? (laughs) (laughs) Did I call them Flaca? Um, (laughs) When they were clearly not Flaca anymore. I don't know what to say. Um, But yeah, that's, it's, it's life is, life is just this journey of, and this path filled with lessons if you really look at it that way. Mm Mm-hmm. And then you don't really have many regrets. Like, I think it just lessens your regret. Like, you might regret knowingly make a bad decision in your past where you're like, this was clearly a bad choice on my part and I made this. I regret those Mm -hmm. where I was selfish or I was insecure and I made those choices. I regret those heavily. Those are the only things I regret are those moments in my life. But it takes, takes a lot of therapy. Totally. Oh, yeah. It takes a lot of therapy and a lot of self-awareness. And the healing journey is not for everybody because you got to be able to see the ugliest parts of yourself Mm -hmm. and somehow forgive and find love for the ugliest parts of yourself. Mm -hmm. The parts you are most embarrassed and ashamed of, you got to learn to just forgive. Unless it's a crime. (laughs) <laughs> sure unless there was define crime like i saw i saw this video that was like the worst parts of yourself it was like on tiktok yeah you need to like learn how to embrace that i'm like not if you're a pedophile right that's a good point to make it's like yeah. what if what if you're a serial killer like should you embrace that part of you like maybe, maybe if not. you're dexter yeah if you're killing the bad guys <laughs> yeah. potentially dexter we forgive because dexter he looks hot in those henleys <laughs> dexter we accept is our hero mm-hmm. right <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick but can't always find the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you, Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for this season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription clothing rental service. For just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles each month. Access to thousands of styles from more than 400 brands. There are no fees, late fees, damage fees, or fees to pause or cancel. They also have inclusive sizing up to 5X as well as petite and maternity. And you always have the option to buy what you love. I love Newly. I've rented so many cute things from there, and I've even made a few purchases from there. And They're always spot on. They have so many brands that I honestly could never afford in real life. So it's great to be able to rent them. Newly is a great value at $98 a month for any six styles. But right now, you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code DST20. Just go to Newly, that's N U U L Y dot com, and enter the code DST20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y dot com, newly with two U's, with code DST20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going. But there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. 
Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. My heart rate is just slowing down listening to your voice. I love your voice so <laughs> Well, much. I was going to say, since we're talking about heart rate, though, so you got off the pills, which helps your heart, but had those pills altered how you had a relationship with food? Like, did you have to retrain yourself? I feel like I have to retrain myself constantly with food because I still have guilt surrounding food. Mm. Um, I still have guilt surrounding anything I enjoy eating because I feel like, oh, my God, like, oh, this is is this bad for me? Oh, my God, should I be eating this right now? I should probably have a salad. Why am I not eating healthier? Why am I not doing this? Mm -hmm. And all the pressure I still put. So I'm constantly working on my relationship with food the way, you know, any other relationship is like the same way I'm working on my relationship with anger. Like it's you have to work on these things. And that's why I say the growth process is not for everybody because it's an everyday thing. It's constant. It is a thing you do every single day. And growing hurts. That's it does. That's why they call it growing pains. Yeah. Because of the things you have to let go of and the things you have to accept. Mm-hmm. Guys, we're getting deep here. Yeah. Um, and what about your relationship to exercise? Um, I, <laughs> I have a lot of anger issues. Um, <laughs> She's running all the time whenever she's pissed. (laughs) I struggled with anger (laughs) issues. So I just kind of channel that into workouts. I do a lot of boxing and I was, you know, I took MMA for a while. Like I took like jujitsu and wrestling and everything. And I want to get back into jujitsu, but I'm also like, I'm like, I don't want to break a knee. Um, Because it like it's hard on your knees. Like it's very almost everybody that I trained with had some kind of knee surgery within a couple of years of starting training. Really? It's really hard on your jujitsu specifically Jiu-jitsu specifically because well, you're rolling around all rolling the time. around and it's the twisting of the body and everything yeah. and the wear and tear just constantly but i loved it especially as a woman because it teaches you how to use somebody's body weight against them you know with the flips and and just how to get out of trouble mm-hmm. and so i've always kind of channeled all of that angst and anger like into my workouts i work out harder when i'm angry because i know i need to put it somewhere you know, you kind of repurpose that angry energy so that you don't put someone through a wall. Mm-hmm. You go, you go, and you punch a heavy bag, and you're like, "This is a much better idea." Mm-hmm. I had my boyfriend hold a pillow for me the other day because I was pissed, and I was just punching the pillow, and he's like, "Oh, you're almost hitting me." <laughs> it's a good replacement. Yeah. <laughs> you him the tiniest oh. pillow, and you're like, "Here, just hold this near your rib cage." It's a throw pillow. No, it's it's one of those tiny scented pillows you get from like Maine. Yeah. It's one of those pillows that you hang on the door that says, uh, please don't enter. (laughs) It's an ornament, actually, Actually, shaped like a pillow. There was no pillow. I punched him. I wasn't mad at him. Uh, I just I just used the pillow. Like, it's a really good outlet. But I think a punching bag before I've punched pillows before a couch. Yeah. Just because I'll I need to channel it into something. And, you know, it helps, I think. And it also helps to make I find I find I used to find workouts so boring. Yeah. Because I thought you had to do them a certain way. I really thought that there was only like, oh, I had to kill myself running or kill myself doing a bunch of cardio. And it's like, no, you can really custom customize your workout. And it wasn't until my sister became a trainer. I have an uh, identical twin sister. and Really? Yeah, and she's, she works in the fitness world. And it wasn't until she started training me and, you know, she understood all of my traumas around this and Mm -hmm. everything. And, you know, because they were similar to her traumas around it. And because she has that understanding, Mm -hmm. she would work so closely with her clients on customizing what the workouts were for what they needed. If they were too shy to use the cardio machines, she would figure out a way to get them cardio in a way that was comfortable for them. 
That's so great. Cool. So she was the first person that I like really worked with as a like a personal trainer. That's so and nice to have. She changed my relationship with working out. You're like, that's an attainable body type for me, actually. Yeah, you look great. Because you're yeah. genetically That's like identical. my face on like the yeah. perfect body. <laughs> so like, thanks for the before and after. Appreciate it. But you're you're actually our second comedian who has an identical twin. <gasps> Kenise Mobley has an identical twin, too. Uh -huh. And I, we never talked about this with her, but were you guys ever compared physically? Or did you, or were you like the type of twins that always look the same, dress the same? We, when we were younger, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then as we got older, like um, my sister like lost a ton of weight because she had her own food issues. Like she was definitely, mm -hmm. um, she was anorexic for a while. So mm -hmm. she was like rail thin. So during that time, there were people that would, it wasn't so much like, oh my God, like she's so much thinner than you. It was like, have you seen your sister? Is she okay? Like, yeah. is she all right? Yeah. And so, you know, when she first started working in fitness, the pressure to have a certain body type was on high. And she was literally starving herself. Oh. And then, you know, we did, did a little one-on-one -on -one intervention where I just, you know, I showed up and sat her down. And I was like, I can see the bones in your chest. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't be able to see the bones in your chest. And did she respond well to it? You know, she, she cried and she was hurt and she was scared like anybody that you approach with something like that. But, yeah. you know... I gave her as much encouragement as I could. And I said, it's a choice you have to make for yourself. Like, I can't force your hand to do something. You know, I can't stop you from doing something. I can just tell you that as a person that loves you, like, I'll help you through this as much as I can. Mm -hmm. That's all you can do. Like, I can't move her the way I want her to move. She has to make the choice herself to where she wants to go. And, you know, she chose the healthier route. I think it was because I didn't attack her. Mm -hmm. yeah you know i didn't i didn't make this a, a shameful thing yeah because i understood i'm like you're struggling i get it i've had those same struggles i just i just chose a different problem right my vice was just different than yours it doesn't like we're still wanting the same goal we don't feel like our bodies are good enough mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so that like helped her and she slowly got herself out and she still battles with it every now and then like you know there are days where i hit her up and she'll have eaten like a bag of skittles and that's her whole day yeah. of food. So, you know, I'll, you know, I'll have to tell her, I'll have to be like, you know, you gotta, you gotta stop. Mm -hmm. And people constantly need that. They just need a little more consideration and, and empathy. In whatever area you're yeah. working on. Absolutely. Because again, like the growth thing, it doesn't end. Like, especially if you're going through something specific, there are ebbs and flows. Oh yeah. There's plenty of times where, you know, you think you're on this healing journey and I've, I've been through it too, where I'm like, Oh no, I'm good. I'm, I've let that go and I'm mm -hmm. good. And then something else pops up and you're like, I didn't even know that was in there. Mm -hmm. What the hell was that? Yeah. And that really blindsides you. Yeah. When that Cause happens. you're like, then you start to get down. Cause you're like, I just fixed this thing. Yeah. Now I got to fix this thing. And you start to see it as a loss instead of a learn. But if you look at it as a learn and you go, you know what? This is the kind of thing that happens throughout the journey so i might as well accept that this is part of the journey is mm -hmm. figuring out that there's still some junk i gotta clean out mm -hmm. and when you think about the years that you spend repressing stuff denying stuff not listening to yourself not trusting yourself there's a lot to get through you know we're all cleaning out the attic of our trauma mm -hmm. like we're just cleaning it out and we act like once we get one corner done we're done forever yeah and even right. if you do hit a pitfall you're starting at a better place than the way beginning where you weren't even willing to admit that you had a problem. Yep. So it's like, okay, you might have to work back up, but like the pitfall probably looks like, oh, this is improvement. And then it's like, mm, but it's like, you still started here. 
So you're still a little higher than and where that's such you a were great the beginning. Point, especially working in entertainment because mm. I don't oh. think people understand how many pitfalls you have in entertainment that you have to like <laughs> sometimes you know, daily. Daily, mm-hmm. hourly at times. Yeah. Like if you're if you're somebody um in, in like a high position, like if you, you know, you make it to the cream of the crop, your problems don't disappear. The stuff you deal with doesn't disappear. It it piles up. Mm-hmm. It piles up and people don't really understand that it's always constant working. It's working, working, working. And if you have a pitfall, especially if you're at the top and you have a pitfall, it's even more publicized, more dramatized. And people people now have a bunch of opinions on it. So I feel for the people that are in the public eye like that, that then have a pitfall and you're like, they have nowhere to go mm-hmm. because society now decides because, you know, you're you're the acceptable person to bully because you're you know, on the top. Yeah. Now, now that society decides whether or not you get a second chance. And people love to build people up oh, just yeah, to yeah. break them down. Oh, 100%. Down. I, I mean, That's what is That's the scariest that? thing to watch a celebrity. Like, they're so funny. I'll watch a celebrity rise up to fame. And the whole time I'm nervous as if they're going up like on a, on a roller coaster. It's like click, 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 mm-hmm. click, click. Because you know something's coming. And you're just like yes. click, click, click. Something's going to come. We all thought Lizzo was safe. Click, 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 <laughs> yes. click, click, click. <laughs> We all thought it. We all thought it. And then <laughs> nobody is safe. Yeah. You that know what I always think me. about? Yeah. I always think about Bo Burnham, mm-hmm. how when he's not well, he doesn't let the industry throw him down the roller coaster. He pulls himself off yep. and he just goes away yeah. for like five years and takes care of himself and mentally quits sometimes. Yeah. You know, like there's that phrase now, quiet quitting. Yeah. It's harder to do if you're in the public eye, but like. He just does that and he takes himself away and he heals himself and then he comes back with something better than before. Yeah. Because and it's like he wouldn't have done that if he didn't take the time. He also comes from a generation that prioritizes mental health. Mm. Yeah. If you don't come from a generation that prioritizes mental health, you it is damn near impossible to get you to understand how important it is to prioritize mental health. You are of use to no one if you cannot be mentally healthy. Yeah, Totally. But I will say it's probably easier for someone like Bo Burnham, who's a fucking prodigy and was, well, yeah. you know, already making so much money by the time he was like 21. To like walk away. Yeah, yeah just yeah. to walk away for a little bit. But so there that, are definitely that can be hard. the privileges. I mean, we can start with his status and then lean into his white maleness and sure. be like, there's so many privileges you have. But that doesn't take away from somebody's you know, need to take time off. For their own mental health. He knows himself well enough to know when he's at his breaking point, which a lot of us cannot say, which yeah. a lot of celebrities don't even have the time or self-awareness. It's why Britney shaved her head. It's why we don't have that awareness to say, I'm at my breaking point. We don't have that ability, especially Britney. She's a woman in an mm-hmm. industry that just doesn't let us quit. Every Anytime we want to take a break, it's okay, but you might not have a career when you come back. Yeah. Anytime when I first got pregnant with my son, the amount of times I heard variations of your career is over. Oh my God. I oh, can't I'm imagine. sure. I'm sure. And 90% of it was from men. The women were just like, they literally just like took a breath and were just like, all right, it's going to be tough. Yeah. And those mm-hmm. are the things that you can't really pull back from. Like, if you have a child, you can't be like, okay, I quit parenting for five years. No. That's something that you, <laughs> you have, have to, to stay show the course up every yeah. single day. And yeah. You, you are responsible for this tiny life and you are responsible really for getting them ready for life without you. Mm-hmm. That How is the real goal. How old is your son? He's three years old. He's three. So something that you talk about that I think is really interesting is kind of 
reparenting yourself through mm-hmm. parenting your son. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I chose to consciously parent my son, which is it's difficult because you're battling against what you grew up with, which I know I did not grow up with conscious parenting. Most of us did not. Mm-hmm. And so and what does that really mean? Conscious parenting. Conscious parenting is not what people think it is, which is people think it's permissible parenting. It's not being permissive. It's not just letting my son do whatever he wants. It's literally learning to communicate with your child in a healthy and effective way and giving them autonomy, even as a child, Mm -hmm. letting my son make decisions, still being the authoritarian, like still being like the person that's like, no, you can't just run around the house with knives today. But what I can do is I can buy you a little baby kitchen set and we can see what you want to do with these little plastic knives. Do you want to cut some fake potatoes? Do you want to help mommy cook breakfast one Mm -hmm. time? Like find out what the fascination is. I think with a lot of our parents and I don't, you know, fault anyone for this because I think we have the advantage of a lot more knowledge Mm -hmm. and a lot more resources than a lot of our parents did at the time. And most of our parents were stuck in survival mode. Yeah. And so their thing was, as long as I keep you alive, I'm good. Well, they didn't have the internet either. They didn't have anything. They had maybe two books that they bought. And yeah. if it wasn't in the house, like they don't have time to go get another book. Yeah. And all the books were like, my kid's driving me crazy. Yeah. And you know? all the like, jokes about parenting were my kid's driving me crazy. Mm-hmm. And I always had this thing when people would be like, my kid is such an asshole. I'd be like, you authored that book. Yeah. Like, what do you think? <laughs> why would you walk around advertising my kid's an asshole? Well, what are you then? Mm-hmm. Because you're raising this kid. And yeah, sometimes it's not about how the parent is. Maybe sometimes in a blue moon you have a kid that just with a personality disorder. Yeah. yeah. Or like just with a kid that doesn't even know how to identify their trauma to get over whatever it is they're they're trying to get over. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times it's like you taught your kid they're a blank slate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When my son acts out, I'm going, my first question is, where did he learn that? My yeah. first question is, where did he learn that? When I'm calling him and he doesn't respond to me calling him, I go, where did he learn that? Who taught him not to acknowledge me when I'm talking to him? Was it me? Was it my husband? Was I neglectful once? Like I have to, and that's why a lot of people I don't think go the conscious parenting route because you have to be willing, one, to apologize to your child. Yeah. When you have acted out of character, when you've done something wrong, and two, you have to look at yourself in everything you do mm-hmm. and what is a learned behavior versus what my son is doing just for survival. When my son grabs his peas with his hands, he just wants to get them into his mouth. That's all he wants to do. That's just a little kid like going, I want to eat these peas. It's not like I'm going, I don't want to use my fork. Right. Because like for a three-year-old, the, the fork work is very complex. It's, yeah. You know, it's They're hard to get peas on their hands. Especially like, with peas. Yeah. Right. So it's like he's not going to or use a spoon and try to scoop. He doesn't have the patience. So like I don't fault him for like little kid behavior like that. But when I want him to stop, I go, hey, can you show me how you use your fork? Mm-hmm. I don't go, stop smashing up his and I don't yell at him. I go, hey, can you show mommy how you use your fork? Oh my mm-hmm. God, that's so good. And I just make a big deal out of it. And then he stops smashing vegetables in his mouth. Because yeah. he's like, oh, oh look, mommy is mommy likes this. Warmer weather is finally back. After so many cold months, it's nice to get outside and soak up the sun. But the springtime always brings those unwanted guests, pollen and seasonal allergies. April showers bring spring flowers and sniffly noses and stuffed up sinuses. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. 
Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. I suffer from seasonal allergies. I just had them hit the other day. I couldn't breathe through my nose at all. And I popped a Claritin and it was like night and day. I'm a huge fan of Claritin. I use it on the regular and it always helps when we're making that transition from winter to spring, which is when my allergies flare up. Mainly it's my sinuses that get so clogged and the Claritin just clears it right up. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients and just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy throat and nose, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Ready to live your life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I was going to ask this before you even started this, but if you mess up with your child, what do you do? Do you apologize and say what you said was wrong, or do you just vow to yourself to try not to do that again? Um... I usually apologize immediately. I go, yeah. I'll, if like the times I've yelled at him has been because he was like legitimately putting himself in danger. Mm. So mm-hmm. it's like he'll be, you know, hanging off of something and about to fall because kids don't know. They don't, they have no register for like, oh, I'm going to fall. I'm going to hurt myself. They just know, we, I'm hanging off of something. This is fun. I'm in midair. And so I, I yelled at him to like get down and I clearly it spooked him. Yeah. And I felt immediately I felt bad yeah. because there's no reason to, to scare your kid. But there's some times when you just got to be like, don't do you're going to hurt yourself. I have to protect you. So I literally I just went up to him and I got I always lower I get down to his level. I don't talk over him. I'm not trying to be scary. Mm-hmm. So I, I knelt down and I, you know, I hugged him and I said, mommy is so sorry. She didn't mean to scare you, but you were putting yourself in danger. Yeah. And it's my job to keep you safe. Mm-hmm. So. Please don't do that. And if yeah. he does it again, the thing is with kids, it's repetition because he still might do it again. And then how I react in that second moment cannot be with frustration because mm-hmm. even if he is testing me, he's not testing me because like the, a grown up would to see who's got more ability or who's stronger. Right. He's testing me like a child would to be like, is mommy paying attention because I'm doing the same thing again? Am I still going to get in trouble for this? Mm-hmm. And how is she going to react? And I think... It's hard as a parent to have that understanding. And I understand it's hard to be patient, that patient all the time, because a lot of times, especially the parenting that we all grew up with was more of you're going to be afraid of me. We wanted respect. But what we got was fear. Mm. That's what it really was. We were so afraid to disappoint our parents. We were so afraid to get in trouble with our parents. It wasn't that we respected them. It was that we were afraid of them. Yeah. And that's what we think is respect until you get older and you learn what respect is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it was like, I'm not doing what you are doing, which is I am being exactly who I want you to be. Like one of my parents always used to say, do as I say, not as I do. Terrible. That is (laughs) the 
most annoying thing because mm-hmm. you're like, if you can't even do it and you've been on this earth so much longer than me, how can you expect me to do it? You lose all authority when you yeah. say something like that because yeah. it's like, so you're intentionally telling me you're a hypocrite. Right. You're te- That's what you're teaching me. What you're actually teaching me is hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. You know, my mom has said that had said that once or twice when I was growing up. Do as I say, not as I do. And it's like that's a real cop out. It's like, a total cop out. And I don't like I, I get along great with my parents. That doesn't mean I love I my can't, parents. But that doesn't mean I can't look at what they've done and be like, yeah, that was kind of messed up. And you know, I think somebody said, somebody so said that another one because, yep. I, because said I said so. so. Yeah. I feel like we we were the because I said so generation. Yeah. Yep. And I always I always used to get so frustrated when somebody would, or when one of my parents would say, because they said so. But I think somebody said those things to them once and they just said, ooh. Well, yeah. Well, that's no. a cool way to think of it. Yes, but do I, as I say, not as I do. It has such a ring to it. It does have a ring to it. But I think another thing is, and I'm not a parent, by the way, mm. but I do have two nephews that I'm very involved with and I watch them a lot. And sometimes you just get to the point where the why questions they just reach their limit. Yeah, but do it back to them. I I do it back with Oliver, my Oliver. We yeah. both have nephews. We named have nephews Oliver. named Oliver. But I <laughs> two Virgos with nephews named Oliver. Whenever Oliver will be screaming about something, I always go, "Why do you feel this way?" And actually, yeah. my friend who is parenting in the most lovely way has this book that's like your emotions. And she shows her daughter, like, which emotion are you feeling right now? And she'll point to, like, angry or she'll point to whatever. And it has this whole poem about, like, calming yourself down and stuff. And, again, those books didn't exist at the time. But also, as a parent now, like, she bought that book. Yeah. Not every parent is buying that book and realizing that those things are important. My son was reading – we found this great series of books. My son – I birthed a reader. Like, he likes books. Mm -hmm. And there were books by different philosophers – for kids and so he learned about imagination yeah baby aristotle there was one and he read about aristotle and it was these life lessons on acceptance and and love and all these great philosophies he reads the stoics for babies (laughs) (laughs) he reads plato while he does plato that's amazing he's just drawing on just etching plato's allegory of the cave just (laughs) right on plato and i'm like oh my god i can explain it to you but until you see it you won't believe me (laughs) (laughs) and i'm like well done well done baby genius um, but he's he's gotten some really great books. And like even in those moments where I'm trying to help him identify his feelings, mm-hmm. when he gets frustrated and he just needs to cry it out, scream it out, whatever. Like I used to get really annoyed before I had kids at parents who would be like, just let him scream it out. Mm-hmm. I used to get really annoyed because I was like, why don't you comfort that child? Why don't you do something? And then I realized when I had a son, there were times when I would say to my son when he so like now, even now, but like um when he was like one years old and he would just scream, I would just go, do you need a minute? Mm-hmm. Mommy's going to give you a minute. And I would sit on the couch and I do, he's three years old now. And we still have the same, he'll stand across the room and he'll be crying and I'll go, mommy's going to give you a minute. And when you are ready, you can come over to the couch. Mm-hmm. And I let him have his moment. If he wants to sit on his, you know, he squats a lot and just kind of sits down and just kind of contemplates and looks around and I let him have his moment. And then when he's ready, he comes over to the couch because not every kid wants to be held and comforted right mm-hmm. at that moment where they're upset. And I understand that feeling because I'm very much a, like, if I'm over emotional, unless I feel like I'm in a safe space where I feel like I'm, I can be safe being vulnerable, I don't want to be touched. Totally. 
I want you to not touch me because I am processing something and I don't I don't want to weep in your arms. I want to process this. Let me process first. Even if I'm crying, even if I'm screaming, let me process before you touch me. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to be told not to cry or scream like yeah. as an adult. Sometimes you just want to cry it out. You just want to punch a pillow. Yeah. And it does make you feel better, mm -hmm. by the way. Like but leaving him alone, too, is probably amazing for his self-regulation now. Yeah, I let him have his moment and then, you know, and sometimes he runs to me immediately mm -hmm. and, you know, he'll cry and then stop crying and then cry again. And I let him have his moment. I don't go, you know, I try my best not to say, don't cry. Yeah. There are times when I'm like, hey, we're not going to do that. Mm -hmm. And that's usually when I realize that he's he's trying to get his way by crying. And I'll go, we're not going to do that. If you would like if you need to cry, then I'll, I'll let you cry. But we're still not going to do the thing mommy just said no to. Right. And that's and I let him process that. Like the other day he had a moment where he was, you know, I had said no to something and he started crying hysterically and like threw his arms around me and was crying. And then, you know, he you know, he calmed down a little bit and he asked for the same thing again. And I said no. And he started crying again. And I held him and I said, I know it's hard and I'm sorry you're crying. Mommy's going to let you just cry mm. because we're still not going to do it. But mommy's here to help you through right now. Yeah. And I, I think having that understanding of like with kids, it is a loss when they don't get what they want. They're not grownups. They don't process loss the same way we do. It is the biggest thing in their world yeah. when they can't get the toy they want, when they can't have the food they want. It is the biggest thing in their little world. Yeah. And we treat it so trivially and we want them to get over it. And it's like, no, this is I read I read this thing where it was like when a child experiences loss, it's like they are experiencing a death. It's like you they are learning how to process grief in that moment. And if you don't properly teach them how to process their mm -hmm. grief in that moment, they will struggle with processing grief their entire life. Well, because they also don't have anything else going on. Yeah. Like whatever yeah. they're doing in the moment is like what they're doing. That's everything. To, to you, them. the they submarine might not mean anything. Yeah. But to that kid that wants that submarine, it is the most important thing. Oh, well, I thought he was thing. really involved in like that submarine. He's just been reading the news. And he's yeah. devastated. He was very upset. <laughs> he reads philosophy he and the news. He has his opinions on billionaires, but he was very upset <laughs> yeah. at the loss. He was really upset about the son that went and didn't want to be there. <laughs> yeah, he was like, mommy, don't you ever. And I was like, I will not. And we high-fived and agreed <laughs> to never do something like that. Well, it's the same thing as like... Um, if you tell a kid, like, we'll do this in a half an hour, that seems like forever from now. But to us, that's like half an hour. What? That's. I even had to check myself because my son normally ends up in bed with me at some point during the night. He'll like sleep in his bed, which I also get too. And I don't make a big deal out of it because I did it to my parents. And I'm like, people are like, don't let him sleep in the bed too long. I'm like, what do you think? He's going to be 26 sleeping next to me. <laughs> no, he's three years old. I think, people do old. Think I, that. I, I think, think some people think that oh, yeah. will happen. I'm like, no, it's not going to happen. When he's ready, he's going to be like, I don't want to sleep next to mommy. She doesn't move in her sleep like a psychopath. Yeah. So like, <laughs> <laughs> but like he'll, he'll end up in my bed at some point during the night. And like with, with me and my husband, it's, we just have this understanding that we have to, we have this little tiny life that as frustrating as it can be when he gets up after I've been out all night working and I come in and it's like one in the morning, like last night was, was a rough night. And then I, my son was up at six in the morning mm -hmm. and I found myself 
being like, no, baby, it's not time to wake up. Like, stay in bed. And I'm like, girl, don't do that. Yeah. That's for you. Yeah. He's ready to get up. And it's your response. You're responsible for him. So don't do that. And don't teach him that so that when he gets older and you try to get him to get up and do something and he decides, no, he needs five more minutes. He's not going to spring out of bed. Mm hmm. And then you're going to be mad at him for doing that. But you're literally in this moment teaching him that right now. This is how I know I'm not ready for kids. I was just because thinking Grace, that, Remy. My cat knocks on the door in the morning and I go, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, the, my, that's my husband some days where he's just like, no. And I'm like, don't no. yell at Can I clarify child. something? Your cat knocks on the door like with her little paw. Yeah, she does this. Okay, so you so it's like a faint you can hear it yeah sounds like okay. a drum circle like she's so, <laughs> yeah it does doo, doo, doo. it's actually kind of soothing yeah. i would go back to sleep for another like, hour <laughs> <laughs> but you were saying too that sometimes he'll refuse food yeah and we've been talking about that of how do you raise kids with healthy eating habits when you're not fully healed yourself i don't know if you're dealing with any of that but if you are i mean it's it's hard yeah because you don't and some people some people don't some people are like yeah just give them whatever they want to shut them up i've been blessed with a kid that loves fruits and vegetables like that's also a thing like mm -hmm. my son loves fruits and vegetables the only thing that he eats that's like sugary is like this belgian waffle thing that he likes you know mm. okay and he'll get like quarter pieces of it for breakfast. This along kid is with refined. Him. Yeah. He is. I birthed an accountant is what I birthed. I... You birthed a renaissance man. <laughs> He's the <laughs> really? boss, baby. Yeah. He's like, mother, I'll take He's my waffle and He's wearing one of those grapes. suits from the 90s. <laughs> one of those giant, uh, giant suits. <laughs> it was really so hard to birth him because of the shoulder yeah, pads. It really was. The shoulder it was pad. really he came hard. with them. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually just a suit for a five-year-old, but he's three. So it's <laughs> oversized. Just an oversized suit for him. Um, he's he's got a pretty like, you know, he's he's got some simple taste. Like, you know, he gets chicken nuggets, but only if I make them at home. And mm -hmm. you know, he'll, really? Yeah. And if he wants, I mean, he'll get some from if we're on if we happen to be driving, the only place, the only fast food place I'll ever stop is is Chick-fil-A to get him some grilled nuggets. It's really good. Yeah. And at least you can get a salad. You know what I mean? Like if you're if I always get the kale salad and like and some grilled oh, nuggets. They have a kale salad at yeah. Chick-fil-A? Yeah, they have a really good kale crunch salad. Oh. <laughs> Free advertising for Chick-fil-A. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, not sponsored. Not sponsored. Not sponsored. So if you want to send some chicken nuggets <laughs> and kale salads. Listen, I'll take them. My address is... Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, th that is always so confusing to me because it's the same thing with my nephews. Like yeah. they, they love mac and cheese, but they love this one specific kind of mac and cheese. It's Amy's and it's not even good. I've yeah, tried it's it. A, it's disgusting. Amy's is good. It's... No, it's not. I mean, I think it's disgusting. Okay. It's like this frozen <laughs> Amy's mac and cheese that then you can reheat in the microwave. I like the frozen the, one. I've, I like I've the made the one, one in the box. Yeah. That's not. And my son does not like it. Not Annie's a mac and cheese fan. you're thinking of. Oh, Annie's. Annie's. Right. That's good. Amy's. Very confusing. Oh, yeah. Amy's right. is a different brand. But I, I went to a restaurant one time and they had this like delicious looking mac and cheese. I was like, Oliver would love this. Mm -hmm. I got a big vat of it. He wouldn't even touch it. He's like, I want the Amy's. I'm like, you want that garbage from the freezer? <laughs> like it 
grinds my gears so much, but there's nothing you can do about it. But what it. do you, but what do you do? Because like, you got to let them experiment. That's the thing. And I think a lot of people, because they don't want to let their kids experiment with food and sometimes they won't want it. Like my son won't try everything that I make for him. He will ask for stuff that I know he's not going to like. Mm -hmm. He asked me for olives once. So mm -hmm. I went to the supermarket and I got a jar of olives and I gave him an olive and he spit it out immediately. Mm. And then he asked me for lychees. So I bought lychees and dragon fruit <laughs> and I bought dragon fruit and kiwis and I bought kiwis and eggplant and I bought eggplant. And he was curious about these things, mm -hmm. but he didn't, he want, he want, he would try a little bit. He ate a piece of a lychee and was like, absolutely, absolutely not. not. Do you know what's interesting? I don't know where I heard this. I can't cite my source, but I heard that um, for kids, you actually have to try something so many more times than you think to know if you like it. So yeah. the first time they try something, yeah. they usually don't like it. But by the like sixth or seventh time, then they can truly decide because it takes that long, I think, for your for your uh, taste buds too. Well, then Ben thinks I'm his child because he keeps trying to give me ketchup with eggs. And I'm like, I don't like it. I've you tried like it in front with of eggs? No, I've tried no, it in front of you 30 times. Look, it's not for me. I have a friend who swears by ketchup and eggs and I... I will not. I it's hot like sauce it. or nothing. Ketchup doesn't need to hot go on everything. There's there's like diehard well, ketchup lovers. Puerto Ricans would disagree with you. Um, <laughs> I love ketchup, <laughs> just not with Puerto eggs. Ricans, there's so many Puerto Ricans that love ketchup or the flavor of ketchup. Like my homegirl who is Puerto Rican, I already know if we go out, I'm like, just bring a vat of ketchup. <laughs> yeah. There is no way. She's going to over ketchup. And I support. I fully support it. I'm like, hey, you sure. like ketchup? Do that. She yeah. hates barbecue sauce, which is like my deal. That's I, like, I like a good barbecue sauce. See, I used to not like barbecue sauce, but then eventually, oh, like, I think your I taste think buds yeah. change over time. They do. They do. Yeah. they do. I used to hate hummus mm. when I was a kid. And now I'm like, what, what fool I was. <laughs> like, like, hummus is delicious. Like, it just doesn't make any sense to me. But I think your taste buds just evolve over yeah. the years. But it sounds like he's not too picky. He's willing to try different things. He's at least willing good. to try. And and the times when he's not, I'm like, all right, well, we'll just revisit this. And Do you have other stuff that's guaranteed that he'll eat, though, so he doesn't, like, go to bed grapes. hungry? He loves grapes. He loves tangerines. Yeah. He loves watermelon, cantaloupe. He loves green beans, mixed vegetables, broccoli. He mm -hmm. eats the rainbow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he loves carrots. Like he's, he'll eat turkey. He'll eat chicken. He'll eat fish, mm -hmm. fish sticks specifically. He will not touch mommy's delicious salmon. Um, I tried several <laughs> times. I'm like, I make a mean salmon. Are you sure you don't want any salmon? Did you phrase it like that? I make a mean salmon. <laughs> it's very mean. Because maybe that's why he doesn't want it. Because it's, like, it's, it's mean. I'm like, oh no, you didn't understand my description. <laughs> I gave him like a little piece of salmon and he just looked at me like, oh, for real though? For real, mommy? But did he try it? No. So that's the one thing yeah. he won't try. He didn't, he had no interest in my salmon. Like he's like, I, I think I put a little in his mouth and he went. <laughs> <laughs> like he didn't even give it a second. He was like. Nup, 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 nup. Yeah. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Somebody told my mom once when my oldest brother was little, though, that if he refused things at dinner or whatever, she would say, or this woman told my mom, well, say that's what we're having for dinner. And if you don't want that, you're not going to have dinner. I was scared you were going to say that. You know, my, my parents did the same thing with my brother because my brother was horribly picky. I don't think she ended up doing that with him. Okay. Well, yeah. my parents but did and then my brother didn't eat. Yeah. For days. Yeah. yeah. Days. I yeah. give my son choices. Like when we wake up in the morning, I'll go, what would you like for breakfast? And usually he'll go waffles, grapes, and scrambled eggs. Mm -hmm. And I'll go, okay, 
got it. And I'll make him waffles, grapes, and scrambled eggs. And then if I ask him what he wants for lunch, and he's like, waffles, grapes, and and I'm like, no, we cannot have waffles again. What can you have to replace waffles? And he'll go, waffles? And I'll go, no waffles. And then I'll go, what can you have? He's like, what about waffles? I'm what like, about no. egos? What about pancakes pressed <laughs> like in, a waffle into an iron? <laughs> okay, hear me out. Pancakes, but made as a waffle. <laughs> How about you make me a sandwich out of a waffle? Um, he'll leave try. out the meat, leave out the lettuce. I usually replace get him the to bread agree. with waffle. <laughs> so chicken nuggets, but as a waffle. But it's waffles. <laughs> Picture this, mommy. It's gonna get crazy. <laughs> <Soup>. <laughs> But as a waffle. But it's a waffle. Waffle soup, maybe? Crepes with craters in them, <laughs> much like a waffle. Um, you, we'll go through the back and forth, and then eventually I'll be like, we're not going to have waffles. So if you don't choose, then mommy's going to have to choose for you mm-hmm. if you don't choose something else. And then usually he'll take a beat and he'll go, turkey, grapes, and raisins. <laughs> like we're negotiating and i'm like <laughs> well i mean technically grapes and raisins same thing but yes i will give you turkey grapes and raisins now can you arrange them to look like a waffle <laughs> <laughs> could you make it look like just mash it all together throw it in the waffle iron i see your blender bummy <laughs> throw it in the blender <laughs> you do a series on instagram called motivational mondays what was your inspiration for that and how long have you been doing it um, I did it for a while and then I stopped okay. because um, I'm terrible with consistency. But you also, weren't motivated to do the motivation. I, I also felt like people were telling me like, you know, you have people in your ear and people were telling me they were like, you know, they're not getting a lot of views and then da, 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 da. Mm. And, and there was that part of me that was like, but I like doing that. Yeah. And and I stopped for a while. And then I went and I did this show in um, I want to say it was in San Francisco and this like very sweet fan of mine like he came up to me after the show we took a picture together and he said will you please start doing motivational mondays again oh and he was like they literally like i re-watch them i was gonna say watch the back catalog i'm tired (laughs) and then i was like oh it was like just his his like argument for it was like so sweet and so sincere and i was like oh you know even if even if five people see it, who cares? Mm-hmm. If those five people needed to see it, then they'll see it and they'll like it. And, you know, not everybody has to like it. Not everybody's like what I say. But I realize like f- Mondays are so hard for people because our brains are trained to hate Mondays. And I was like, your brain is trained that way. And you shouldn't hate any day that you wake up. You shouldn't hate or dread any day that you wake up. Mm-hmm. And I think I wanted to get myself out of that mindset. And I thought maybe this will help other people get out of that mindset too, even if it's just the 10 people that saw it that day. Yeah. And they maybe shared it with two other people who, you know, maybe downloaded it and kept it and watch it. Cause there's videos that I download that are motivational videos. And when I'm feeling low or yeah. I'm feeling like I need something, I'll, I'll rewatch those videos and I'll be like, oh, thank God I kept this video. And so that's kind of the reason why I started doing it. I just wanted to pull us all out of this funk and this dread of Monday and change it to a from a have to to a get to. Mm. I love that. That's like a lesson that, you know, a lot of people have talked about in my life. I have to to a get to and I have to constantly remind myself I don't have to do something. I get to do something. And when you change the terminology, you really can change the perspective you have going into something. Yeah. So it sounds like doing those videos really helps you stay motivated, too. Yeah. And I, I think that that's why the people that do like them like that I'm also admitting that i need it too like mm-hmm. hey this is something that i learned this is something that helped me and i'm just reminding you 
because I need this reminder sometimes. Right. Because you wouldn't have the motivational advice unless it's something that you had gone through yourself. Exactly. Yeah. Were you worried that people would make fun of them? Because I feel like there are a lot of those videos that yeah. are kind of cringe. You don't do it in a cringe yeah. way. But um, but a lot of those videos exist. And I feel like people make fun of them sometimes. I, When you grew up in a family that made fun of you all the time, you're very, it's like, <laughs> what are strangers going to say that like half of my tias haven't said Full to circle. me already? Right. Like, you're not going to be a bigger bully than me. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter what you write. I'm my biggest bully. Like, you're not going to beat me. I've known yeah. this hoe for years. Like, you're not going <laughs> to beat me and all the dirt I have on me. So people can make their jokes. People can say their hateful things. I'm just going to delete and block you. Like, literally, what okay. are you doing? Thank you for the engagement on my post. Mm -hmm. Thank you for the views. Now, please get out of my way. I don't care if you like me or hate me. And people like constantly like, how do you deal with haters? I don't because you're irrelevant to my success. I don't I don't have time. If you want to hate me, that's a burden you take upon yourself because you're going to think about it way more than I am. Oh, yeah. I think about there are people that I think about that mean something to me that have a presence in my life. And then there's people that I never even consider. I don't have time for hate. Mm. I used to have this one troll that whenever they would say something to me, it would really like get me down. And eventually I just blocked this person and then they would make another account and I would block the person and I would make another account. Oh, and I've I would had block people the do that. And then I had to get to the point that I was like, they are using so many emails and phone numbers just to try to it's get at me. It's a full time job for the them. The dedication. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then like that person cares about you. Yeah. Like, so much. That's I'm, I'm actually retraining myself. And this past year I've, done a lot of work on that to actually be fueled yeah. by haters because it's so true. Like somebody cannot hate you unless they kind of care about you. Yeah. In so, some um, kind of way, it's like at least you you literally took time out of your day mm -hmm. to watch a video that you claim to hate and then took time to sit down and write about a freaking paragraph. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Of what you considered visceral because you didn't even scratch the surface of the shit I've said to myself. Literally. Right. But you're just going for the obvious things. And that I think, I'm. And the, it's not that the comments don't hurt or affect you. Of course, they're hurtful things. You know, when they told us sticks and stones, we break our bones. That's a lie. Mm -hmm. I remember every negative thing. Words can yeah. never hurt. Yeah. Then they we hurt would, for longer, then actually. we wouldn't have trauma. Yeah. Yeah. I, at least I can put a Band-Aid on something if you threw a stick or a stone mm -hmm. at me. Mm -hmm. I can't put a Band-Aid on my fucking soul. Like, I can't, <laughs> I can't oh, fix that damage. If somebody could make that, that would be yeah, amazing. Yeah, that would be so great. Um, Kim Kardashian, uh, if you could make a Skims <laughs> that covers our soul. A Band-Aid for the soul. <laughs> soul Band-Aids. Skims soul. for the soul. Skims for the soul. That would work. She could do it. She could yeah. sell it. I believe that woman could sell anything. Oh, she anything. could sell she a paper sell bag. It. And yes. it would come in all the sizes. It would. It would. It would. Very inclusive. Skims the for the soul. She's, I swear to God, if she doesn't do this, like, Skims <laughs> for the soul, that should be a motivational book. You're welcome, Kim. Um, there used to be chicken soup for the soul, now but now skims. it's skims waffles for the soul. For the soul. <laughs> waffles for the soul by my son. I can already son. picture yeah. it in that font, that, you know, yes, that yes. specific font. So good. You're into astrology, and yes. we, were, we were talking a little bit off mic about it. How did you get into astrology, and does that, like, how do you incorporate it into your wellness routine? 
Um, so I was always kind of into astrology, but never got deep into it until uh, my girlfriend, Catherine, really started getting into it. And she's like really, and she knows way more than I do, like off the top of the dome. Like There's I would so still, much to know. Yeah, I would still have to look up a lot of stuff, but there are certain things that I've noticed between interactions in my friends that I then would read about and be like, oh my God, that's a trait of this sign. And that fits all my friends under this sign. Mm -hmm. And people think, oh, well, that's just a coincidence. I'm like, it's a little too close mm -hmm. all the time for it to be a coincidence. Mm. And the way Catherine explained it to me and the way she explains it to other people, I think is the most brilliant way that I've ever heard astrology as a science explained. Where is she's that just human like, design? Human design is linked to astrology in a way because human design is uh, astrology, um, Myers-Briggs, uh, oh, chakras. I, I love like Myers-Briggs. It's, it's all of these. So it's human design is like more of a, more of a map okay. of everything okay. um, to my knowledge. Uh, and so with astrology, what you're getting is like this nice blueprint of what happened when you were born and how the planets were aligned when you were born and what that means for you. Now, people always discredit that until you think of the fact that if the moon affects the water and we are made up of a large percentage of water, meaning that the moon could even affect how we act. They always say when it's a full moon, people act a little out of character. When you accept the fact that the moon can affect the water, why can't you accept the fact that the other planetary alignments would also affect you? Hmm. Like when you actually look at it like that, it makes total sense. And you go, okay, maybe I should, you know, look more into this. You don't have to live and die by it, mm -hmm. but it gives you a nice personality map of who you're dealing with. Like my top three, and that's what people always kind of know their top three, you know, yeah. your sun, your moon, and your rising. Aries sun, Pisces rising, and a Capricorn moon. Oh, I like so much of you. <laughs> Aries sun means, you know, when when I'm Aries, the baby of the Zodiac. Mm -hmm. We're the little babies. We're little babies. We're little tantrum throwers. But we're also the most, like, we are loyal to a fault. We feel responsible for a lot of the people that we love. And we're like the, we're like the brawn that you bring in when someone's messing with you. We're like the people that will yeah. come and fight for you. You're mm -hmm. leaders, right? Yeah. That's what I think of when I think of Aries. Because we can be very, like... You know, when we're when we're in our Aries bag, it's very much like when I'm in a leadership position, when I'm when I'm like, hey, I'm the leader. Cool. This is my project. I get to do this, this and I'm delegating. We're very good in that position. You're a good Richard Branson. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like being very good at delegation and mm -hmm. being the leader that's going to be like, I'm going to take care of my people, blah, blah, blah. But your rising is how you present to people. So I don't present as an Aries. I don't come in kicking the door down. I present as a Pisces which means I present as a very empathetic, understanding, and caring person because that's my rising sign. Mm -hmm. I make people feel safe very quickly. And I like that. I feel that. safe. Yeah, I, I can attest to that. You should. You feel very <laughs> safe. And then my Capricorn moon is like, people think that Capricorn moons like don't have emotions. It's not that we don't have emotions. It's that there's, for us, there's a time and place. Mm. When I want to feel my emotions, I will let myself have that private time to feel my emotions. But there's stuff that I need to do before I can have that private time. Now, I'm not saying that that's the healthiest way to do things, but because that is my system, it makes me seem I'm a good person to come to if you are an over-emotional person. Mm. Because I will have empathy and understanding without trying to co-op your feeling or being dragged into your emotions. I can just be like, I understand exactly what this person is feeling in this moment. We both don't need to be crying. We both don't need to be hysterical. This person needs 
a rock right now. This person needs stability right now, not somebody that's going to fly off the handle with them or be as emotional. So I can't be in my Aries bag. Like, oh Even when God, I'm protective they did of that people. To you, I would be fuming. Yeah. I would be so mad. I would, I would like so go and burn the mad. place down. But like, whatever, do what you want. There's a girl on Love Island Games who's doing that right now. Like one girl yeah. was like a little miffed and she's like, oh my God, he's looking at her. I'd be pissed. I'd be fuming. I was like, oh my God, I stop hate people lighting that are the bad fire. So she's like planting the seed yeah. a little bit. That's so gaslighting 101. Like I hate people that are bad at gaslighting. If you're going to gaslight, at least be good at it. <laughs> I would have been like, girl... Please. I was with a narcissist for seven years. I've been through the Olympics of gaslighting. I'd have been like, you're not going to get me with that trash. Yeah, that's gaslight light. Yeah. I have a question because this is the one thing that I always go back to with astrology and always makes me question it is I have a friend who has a twin Mm -hmm. and they were like you. And they were much like you and they were C-section babies. So they were born pretty much at the exact same time. Mm -hmm. Totally different personalities. Mm -hmm. You as an identical twin, do you guys have different personalities? And how do you reconcile that as a believer in astrology? Um, That's a good question. We have different personalities, but that's more of a reaction to your traumas um, than it is about. Because me and my sister are the same chart. Mm -hmm. We have the same chart. Aries sun. Pisces rising, Capricorn moon. With my sister, um, when I am with her and we're talking, if my sister's talking to you on a one-on-one basis, she is every bit like me. Mm-hmm. Every bit like me. She is a calming presence. She is a fierce fighter. And there's a time and place for me to feel things. Mm. When she is dealing with her own trauma, that's where we both differ. When I am dealing with my trauma, I am willing to sit down and unpack some of the heaviest stuff. And I'm willing to go to therapy. I'm willing to go... With my sister's trauma, when she starts to unpack it because of the level of trauma she's experienced, because we only had the the same amount of trauma for a little while, and then we veered off as adults and lived our lives. So her trauma is much heavier than I I could ever even imagine, the stuff she's been through. And so for her to unpack it, it's so traumatizing. It would take so many years of unpacking and being gentle with herself and understanding that she sometimes just doesn't want to unpack it. Mm Mm-hmm. And that causes changes in your personality because whereas I would be open about something, if you trigger my sister, she's closed. Yeah, got it. She's done. She's closed off. And that means in every way she may close herself off from growth because of fear of moving forward. And that might make her seem like either a mean person if you caught her on the wrong day or or just not um, not open. Just like if you catch me in the wrong moment. I might seem mean. Yeah. I might not seem like the Gina that everybody knows because I might I might be having a bad day. You may have triggered me in some way. I've had people trigger me in conversations and I've snapped and then people who are always like, what do you mean you have an anger issue? Are like, I'm like, that's what I mean <laughs> yeah. when I say I have an anger. It's like holding back a pit bull that's on a leash. You're uh-huh. just like, you're just like, you, I got to calm this thing down so I can think rationally. And I think therapy, therapy determines how long that leash is. Yeah. Got it. So you can believe in this stuff, but it doesn't dictate, it doesn't necessarily dictate the person that you're going to become because there's all these other. It's good to look into because I think when you're doing work on yourself, it is good to know what your blueprint is so that you can be like, because sometimes we'll struggle with that. Like I used to always think I was just, I was like, oh, well, I'm just like my mother. That's why I'm kind of stoic with emotions. And, you know, my mom was kind of like that because she married an over emotional guy and, Mm -hmm. you know, she has to be in control of it. And then I looked at my chart and I was like, oh. Capricorn moons are known for being stoic emotionally. 
So I was born with a stoic mom, but I also lean towards being stoic in emotions anyway. And now your son reads the stoics. Yes. <laughs> and now I birthed a stoic. Before you go, so you're the co-host and executive producer of The State of Women, which is oh, yes. a podcast that explores which U.S. states are getting gender equity right and which are failing, which is very important. How important are women's rights to confidence? Who? I mean, it ties into feeling safe, mm -hmm. your rights, and how safe you feel affects your confidence. So it's easy to do the six degrees of separation with that, where it's like, yeah, if you don't feel like your rights are protected or honored, you don't feel safe. And if you don't feel safe, you can't be confident because you're in fear 24-7 that your rights are being taken away, that you're in danger. The amount of times I've had to explain to even my guy friends what it's like to navigate through the world as a woman. And they're just like, I had no idea. Mm -hmm. I, had no, I had no idea. Why would you? Of course you didn't. You don't have to navigate through the world. Like I know. That. What a world, though. Yeah. To just never yeah. have a passing thought about to that. To never be like. How I'm can like, you self-regulate when your body is being regulated? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the squint. The squint did it for me. <laughs> the <laughs> in the squint. <laughs> um, I think that's what a lot of people don't because, you know, they, they see it as two separate issues, confidence and women's rights. And it's like, no, you have to understand. And this is where. You know, when you're a person who's been through therapy, who does the work, you realize you have to go underneath the surface. And so many people look at issues on a surface level and they go, well, A doesn't affect B. And you're like, well, actually it does. Yeah. And you just haven't looked deep enough to realize how the two are connected. Even when I started doing the work, I had to look deeper to see how these things were connected. And, you know, it's, you know, as a woman, you're just like, I can't believe I didn't put two and two together just having lived this life. But then you realize the effects and, you know, the stuff that you're conditioned to think and believe and feel. And, you know, when you pull yourself out of the muck, you start to see all the dots start to connect. Right. I mean, even thinking back to, I mean, it wasn't that long ago that women could not open their own bank account. Yep. And then seeing how that translated across the generations of like, there's still people today that don't feel financially secure on mm -hmm. their own. They feel more financially secure married to a man. Yeah. Like that, there's a direct correlation between that. So obviously that'll contribute to your overall confidence. Yes, 100%. I remember, um, I have an older sister and um, when she got divorced, um, she, I remember her crying on the front steps of the house that we had lived in together. And she said, I don't even know how to start my own bank account. Yeah. She wow. Had, Which, she, how would you? If you yeah. go from your dad's house to your husband's house. How would you? You don't know. Yeah. And so she, I just, and I, you know, I just remember thinking for myself in that moment, I was like, oh my God, like what, how can I let my sister know that she can do this? Like, I'm like, you, you can do this. Like, it's scary, but you can do this. Like. And that's what I just kept telling her. I was like, you can do this. You can do this. I know you can do this. And it's scary, but you're going to do it. And you're going to be so proud of yourself when you get to the other side of this. Mm -hmm. And that was me at like 19. Mm -hmm. Before even being in therapy, just knowing people have more abilities than they think. Like you, you are more capable yeah. than you could ever think. Yeah. We're much stronger than we think. But again, it's that starting point. That's the hardest thing. That is. Yeah. And she might have some pitfalls or whatever, but she started. Yeah. 
And she's racked up a bunch of skills on the way that she didn't have before that starting point. Exactly. I thought you were going to say racked up a bunch of debt. (laughs) And she's racked up a bunch of debt. I know Gina's sister. And apparently, (laughs) well, we've done some research on you. She's definitely got a lot of debt. Um, I mean, her star sign says she's massively in debt. (laughs) Well, she's an Aquarius, meaning she's never at loss for an idea. Aquarians are the most creative people I've ever met in my life. Oh, is that so? Yeah. I I know Uh, nothing about Aquarius. I I know stuff about maybe six out of the 12. Are there 12? There are 12. Yeah, 12 signs of the Zodiac. Yeah. yeah. See, I don't know anything. But (laughs) even if you don't like fully subscribe to this stuff, it's still fun. And it's still... um, I, I have a friend who's an astrologer and actually she calls herself a healer. Yeah. And we did a few sessions and I was not a believer at all. But then after doing the sessions with her and she does tarot cards, yeah. and she, I realized it's it's not dissimilar to therapy. Yeah. It's kind of like presenting different ideas and then you see how those ideas relate to right. your own if life. If they yes. relate to you, take them. Then if it they works. don't, let it go. Like exactly. Yeah, you also learn how to deal with once you know where your planets fall, your own planetary alignment, you learn how to deal with your mood swings a lot better. Mm. Like I know when I'm being my tantrum-y baby Aries self and I know how to give her forgiveness and I know how to give her kindness in those moments where she's just, she just needs somebody to acknowledge the fact that she's upset. Mm. That's the only thing she needs. And I know when I'm in my Capricorn, I got to get some stuff done, but I have big feelings thing. Mm Mm-hmm. And I, I give her grace and I give her space. And so it's once you know why you're reacting to certain things, because different things are frustrating for different people. Mm-hmm. And that's the, that's a good thing. That's a good reason to know your um, chart, too. Like when I'm in my emotions, since the moon controls your emotion, whenever I'm in an emotion, I have to look at that Capricorn and be like, where is this coming from? Yeah. You're feeling angry. Why are you angry? And it's usually because I feel like somebody's not doing their job. Right. And some people would be like solving the problem immediately would work for me. But for you, it's grace and space. Yeah. And some people are like, I'm feeling emotional. I need to shut down, turn off my phone, disappear from the world for a while. Mm -hmm. And I respect that. I have friends that will literally be like, hey, going off the grid today, I'm, you know, not feeling well. And I'll be like, cool. I'll check on you tomorrow. Yeah. I'll let you have your space. Gina, on the days that you're not feeling great, when your little baby is coming out, maybe you're not feeling the most confident. Do you still wear your goat hat? I do. That's great. I do. I do. <laughs> I got to convince the myself. I just time. look in the mirror and I go, you're the greatest of all times. <laughs> I love I love that. <laughs> um, where can people find you and follow you? Um, you can find me on uh, Instagram at gbrione uh, and then at TikTok at Gina Brione. I had to think of which one was Gina Brione and which one was Gina Brione. <laughs> uh, and then you can check out my website, Gina Brione comedy.com and find out if I'm coming to a city near you and as soon as the strike is over I'm sure I can tell you a lot more Yay! (laughs) thank you so much for coming Uh, you guys that's it for today's episode be sure to send your questions to dst at betches.com to get them answered yes follow us at diet starts tomorrow on Instagram if you like this episode please write us a review and don't forget to check out our DST merch on shop.betches.com Rate, review, and subscribe to the show. And please follow me at Lubination. And please follow me at Remy Casimir and follow Gina at Gibrion. And of course, remember, we're always with you through thick and thin. Diet Starts Tomorrow is produced by Sean Kilby, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Aliza Zinn. Editing by Sean Kilby. Social media by Aliza Zinn. Guest booking by Ali Friedlander. Be sure to follow Diet Starts Tomorrow on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And send us your emails to dst at betches.com 
or your voicemails to 212-287-5650. Betches.